Hi, welcome back to Senior Beat. This program is a continuation of last month's uh, interview uh, with some very special guests. And the program is called Wisconsin Politics, Partners uh, Partisanship and Compromise. And my co-host, uh, Tom Frazier, is going to introduce our guests. Well, we're pleased to welcome back Senator Tim Cullen, uh, a Democratic senator from Janesville, Wisconsin and Senator Dale Schultz, a Republican senator from Richland Center, Wisconsin. So welcome back, and uh, Good to ca be back. in case you missed the first part of the show, we hope you didn't, but in but. case you did. But uh, some people have argued that Wisconsin, Wisconsin should return to a part-time citizen legislature, uh, given all the things that we're talking about, partisanship and, co and lack of compromise maybe, We'd be interested in your comments about the pros and cons of doing that. Well, I certainly endorse the idea of a, a part-time legislature because what has happened over the years is fewer and fewer legislators have any sort of outside earnings, uh, you know, that support their family. And uh, while I certainly think that in many respects legislators uh, have become more professional and there are some benefits to it, but there's something very negative, and that is they get further and further removed from real life and the struggles that so many families have, mm -hmm. um, you know, running their businesses, uh, balancing their schedule when they work for somebody else. And, uh, and, and that's why I think it's hard for legislators to really get connected and create the kinds of jobs that people expect them to, you know, uh, be working towards. And um, I certainly believe that uh, all these years uh, being involved with the farm, having a real estate license, and periodically uh, being engaged uh, in, in that practice uh, and the other businesses that I've been involved in uh, really, I think, has made me a better legislator. And as time goes by, I've found that uh, I've sort of had an advantage over others because of that uniqueness. Mm -hmm. Well, it, I. I come to this really sort of a, with a mixed view. I, uh, when I was here the first time, it was uh, really was the first time I really had a full-time legislature. Uh, the advantages of full-time legislature, if you have legislators willing to work and not delegate to staff, is the legislators could be in charge of the process. Um, if, if the legislature is part-time and they're not here much, um, then, then staff and special interests and the, the um, state bureaucracy, the, the, the agencies, mm -hmm. um, will come to dominate and the legislators won't be as informed. So that, that's sort of the, uh, the, the pro and the con. Um, it's good to have outside experience, um, but I think outside jobs in the legislature also raise the specter, frankly, of the possibility of corruption. Um, I'm a legislator um, and um, I'm, a, I'm also a consultant. Well, lo and behold, some interest group decides they need my consulting services. Do they really need my consulting services and do I really earn what they pay me? Um, how does the public really probably ever know? Um, and you know, if I, you know, I'm making widgets, whatever it might be, lo and behold, the interest group decides they need a thousand of my widgets. Um, there, it, it's a slippery slope. Um, you, you rely on the integrity of legislators, you rely on the, the disclosure we're we make what we call our statement of economic interest annually to the government accountability board. But um, I do think there's, because what happens in the capital, the ultimate problem with, with having it be a, a place 
with integrity and the public can have confidence is is it, it, it is the confluence of of money and power the legislators have the power interest groups have the money um, and uh, so you always got to be watching uh, for that uh, but I also see now that I think the salary's been frozen for like 12 years in a row it's at $49,000 a year which is a de very decent salary for a lot of people and but one of the consequences of that is we have lots of legislators in both parties who really need this job. And I think you're a better legislator if you don't really need the job. Um, because if you really need the job, you're gonna do what you need to do to get reelected as opposed to what might be the best thing for your district. So um, I'm kind of all, all over the board on it because I don't mm -hmm. know if there's a, mm -hmm. there's a perfect answer because you can, you can have problems and poor, and poor representation either way. Yeah, interesting. Um, I want to remind our viewers that both of these excellent uh, senators will not be uh, returning to Wisconsin politics, which, uh, again, I think is a great loss for all of us. Um, we had a program on Senior Beat about voter IDs, and yet what we discovered was a very little evidence of voter fraud. And I'm just wondering... Um, what do you think about this intensive debate we've had over this issue? You want to take this first? You want me to? Well, <laughs> I, I don't want to jump ahead all the time. <laughs> I, I, I think the issue is entirely political. Um, there's nobody with, with any credibility that can point to voter fraud, and the, and the little bits of fraud they can find, an ID. They've also they've discovered that a voter ID wouldn't wouldn't prevent that fraud. Um, I mean, this this is about and I'm, I'm convinced of it, uh, this is about um, making it more difficult for certain categories of people to vote. And those certain categories of people have tended to vote, usually but not always, Democratic. Uh, and I, I think this is entirely about politics. And uh, the, the, we're getting the absurd situation where, if you think about it, you could have Mary. Mary's 85 years old. Um, she's given up her a driver's license. She doesn't drive anymore. She doesn't have a picture ID card. She was born in North Dakota and doesn't know, got to go back to some county up there and find somebody that'll get you a, a, a birth certificate so you can get a photo ID and all this stuff. And it's a hassle and she doesn't drive anymore. And, yeah. and so they don't, or, they, or they don't vote. rural Mississippi yeah. where they never had a Or never had a vote. <laughs> but the absurdity is, is this Mary, this hypothetical example, has voted at the same place for 40, 50 years. She, in right. fact, has been a poll worker at that place. Right. She walks in the door to vote with, if this ID law was in place. And they all say, hi, Mary. Good morning, Mary. Good to see you, Mary. Uh, we need to see your um, uh, picture ID. I don't have one. You can't vote. You've got three days to go. You can, get a you can vote a preliminary ballot and provisional ballot, and you've got three days to get back something back. Well, I mean... The absurdity of that, everybody who works there knows who Mary is. She's been voting there and um, right. she doesn't have an ID card. Yeah. Um, this, is just, this is just mischief, in my judgment, to, to, to uh, suppress turnout among people who tend to vote more for one party. And I, I think the Republicans are finding, as they get in the court, um, even some of the Supreme Court justices who tended to be on the conservative side have raised questions. And the justices are asking the question, the balance. If you make it more difficult for 300,000 people to vote in order to maybe catch 12, 
Um, is, that, is that a balance that democracy ought to put up with? And that's sort of about where we're at as far as I'm concerned. But well, maybe but you won't let me go first again. I <laughs> no, I, I think we're, you bear with me, I think we're going to come out the exact same place, even though we sort of took different paths to get there. I was just going to punctuate what you had to say. Uh, oftentimes now I hear people say, just because we haven't proven fraud doesn't mean it doesn't exist, and that leaves me scratching my head. Mm -hmm. um, what problem are we trying to solve again? That we don't know that it exists, but it might exist, but we're solving the problem, and along the way we're, we're creating a lot more problems. Um, I voted for the first uh, voter ID law uh, in Wisconsin, and I, I hope that people realize, I know my constituents do, that I work to make it less onerous. And the reason I did that is, like a lot of people, common sense tells me that to rent a movie I have to show some sort of identification and, and, and so on and so forth with many of our activities. But the difference between that and a voter ID law is that generally people who want to see that are in business, they want your business, and uh, they tend to have a standard that they're comfortable with, and it's always purposely not onerous. And um, when people come to the process of elections, uh, when they start to get really onerous about what they're requiring, um, you, you really have to suspect the, their motives and why they're doing what they're doing. And uh, uh, when I voted the way I did, I told my constituents point blank, I didn't see massive voter fraud in Wisconsin, but I did see a lot of unrest about elections. And this was my attempt to sort of uh, shore up what people uh, felt was a potential problem with our elections. And I, as I often do, went back to my constituents and they said, Dale, with all due respect, we think you got it wrong. <laughs> and I listened. And, and you know what? Uh, I'm not afraid uh, when I uh, go back and talk to my constituents to say, I hear you and I'm going to change. Doesn't happen all the time, but it has happened in the past. And I came back to Madison um, and, and started raising those issues. And so when these uh, ID bills came up and other uh, things that have uh, sort of tended to push people away from the polls, I began to uh, give voice, as I think in any representative democracy you should, uh, to the concerns of my constituents. And, and then I began to ask myself about, um, you know, my own political party, my own political be beliefs. Uh, I've been proud to be a Republican. Tim and I don't agree on, on every issue, and we're proud of our political heritages. Um, and, and, you know, we try to balance it and work together to get things done. Abraham Lincoln uh, provided uh, for the freeing of, of the slaves. The radical Republicans wanted to immediately give them the right to vote. Uh, certainly, the Voting Rights Act of 1957, the biggest champion of it was uh, Republican President Dwight Eisenhower. And um, Ronald Reagan himself said, it's the most precious right we have to vote. And uh, it seems to me as, as in a world where people are constantly referring to me as a rhino or Jim as a dino, uh, I think we have a pretty good idea of the heritage of the parties we belong to, and while people may disagree with us, and I respectfully disagree with them, I'm not certain they are really qualified to judge who's a Republican and who isn't. They may be more conservative, whatever that means, than I, but I, I think uh, the Republican Party is at its best when it's welcoming everybody to participate and when we're competing with our ideas. Mm -hmm. Excellent. 
Excellent. Also, you know, wasn't, Dale didn't come up with the idea, but we also would hear that you know you have to have a, a, a ID card to take a book out of the library and <laughs> and um, or whatever other else other reason. And and all I ever say about that is you know you know the the Constitution doesn't guarantee you the right to take a book out of the library. The Constitution guarantees you the right to vote. Yes. Uh, so they're, they're very different. Um, uh, things, but it's been washed together, and the public probably today, if you ask today about whether we should have a voter ID, I suspect the majority of Wisconsin probably still say yes, I think by lesser margins than when this debate began. But and Dale alluded to it, the, um, it what, what the ID debate overshadowed was the other changes um, that were made that, that shortened the time frames for absentee voting. Mm -hmm. and made you live in the same place longer before you could vote um, and um, uh, shorten the hours the clerk could be open to, mm -hmm. to, to have people vote uh, and, and on and on there and, the, the, yeah. and eliminated straight party voting for a very partisan reason actually um, there were all these changes which were sort of never got the public attention because everybody was thinking arguing about whether you should have an idea or not an idea yeah. and all that stuff is an effect of suppressing turnout. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And isn't it the case that we really want to increase turnout? Yes. We, in every, both parties. We don't do very well at all. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, we're, 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 when we get elected to the state senator or somebody gets elected governor or U.S. senator, uh, the winner is generally being elected by about 30% yeah. of the people mm -hmm. of yeah. Wisconsin. When yeah. they win, they show us they, they, they won with 54%, but that's 54% of those who voted. voted. Uh, yeah. But, but if, of all the people, they won with 25, 30% yeah. of the people. Right. Right. And let me go back to Ronald Reagan again. It's our most precious right. Yeah. Of course we want people uh, to vote because it is the essence of our system. Uh, it's how people uh, register their feelings and help guide the process forward in a democracy. Mm -hmm. right. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, let's talk about another um, minor topic, and that's money in politics. We we talked about it a little bit earlier, but there's been some judicial decisions, and and uh, we're equating now um, money with speech, with free free speech. Um, do you believe money is free speech? I, I certainly don't, and I <laughs> believe that. Um, uh, the courts have gone way overboard with uh, Citizens United. Corporations are not people. While I do believe um, entities do have a uh, uh, in need to be a part of a discussion in the public square and shouldn't be excluded from it, I think all of us down deep know that there has to be limitations on free speech. Uh, you can't yell fire in a theater, as everyone knows. Why is that? Because of the potential danger of people getting hurt trying to flee a, a theater. I think all of us have a sense in this wonderful country and state that we live in that we're that we're equals, that our voices uh, uh, all deserve to be heard, and when we enter the public square to um, express our concerns and we are met with such a dominating loud voice that it drowns everyone else out how can that be good and that's really what the the supreme court has said it's okay for people who have unlimited resources uh... to equate that with free speech buy up all the media 
newspapers, magazines, television, radio, broadcast their message. And so the only thing the average man or woman in our society hears is the message that comes from these people. And oftentimes, it's not designed to educate but to confuse mm. and may be absolutely vile and borderline not true. And uh, I think all of this has contributed to the coarseness of our society and our elections, and it's not good for us. Mm. Mm. I always think um, when the court says that, um, that corporations are people, um, how, for one of the things I thought of one night, I thought, well, if corporations are people, how come they never have any children? <laughs> and it sort of surprises me. Uh, and, and the argument was, well, they were given the same rights to, to, um, to corporations as they were to unions. And so unions are generally support Democrats, corporations, Republicans, so all is fair in love and war. Uh -huh. Except that uh, there's a huge dim diminishment of, of, of the union membership, um, yeah. outright political efforts to, efforts to destroy public employee unions. Right. And um, so, so the idea that there's just, just about as much money to give on the union side as the management side is ridiculous today. It may have been more reasonably accurate 50 years ago or 40 years ago. Uh, so this, this bothers me greatly that um, um, somebody gets to have a bigger megaphone because they happen to maybe made some money, uh, maybe stole some money, maybe married some money. I don't know. Uh, but uh, all of a sudden, they, they have a right to... Um, um, because if you have a, like a, a half-hour sitcom program on primetime, Maybe the show runs 23 minutes of the 30 minutes. And so the TV stations have seven minutes to sell. Mm -hmm. um, and supply and demand, they can raise the price of, of the 30-second spot or the minute spot. But if there's unlimited money, who cares? You can have one side buy the whole seven minutes. In fact, mm -hmm. we've seen in Wisconsin in the last couple of weeks mm -hmm. some groups, outside groups, buying TV time, buying TV slots in October and early November already now. Mm -hmm. And you, you can get to a point... Uh, where uh, another candidate would come in and want to buy some TV time, the station will say, Nothing no time left. left. Yeah. And so, and especially on negative ads, when they, when they, when they distort your, your views or your personal life or whatever they do, the thing about negative ads, if, 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 if they're on TV and you don't answer them, there's a propensity of the public to believe they must be true. Because if they, if they weren't mm -hmm. true, why didn't you answer and explain why that was a lie? Uh, and if you can't buy the time to explain it, um, it's, it's just terrible for voters' ability to, to, to wade through all that and make a good judgment. And, and the issue, as he's talking about, if they don't contain the magic words, um, elect or vote for, uh, then they're you know pretty much completely unregulated, and that's the path we've been going down. So we mm -hmm. virtually have no regulations left at all, mm -hmm. and all of this is occurring in a process where nobody has to put their name and their reputation on the line. Wow. In fact, some people say, I'm afraid to. Well, I would be afraid too if I said some of the vile and, and untrue mm -hmm. and ridiculous things that are in those ads. Um, when people give their money, you would hope that they would exercise a little discretion over the group they gave the money to. Well, and you mentioned earlier about the amounts are astronomical that we're talking about in terms of the amounts of money that are out there and being used now. You know, we talked a little bit about the one area where you failed to reach compromises is, is mining. And um, 
and uh, is that going to come back and haunt us? What do you, I mean? What do you think is going to be happening on that whole well, it, thing? More than haunt us, the bill the bill that became law today um, almost guarantees that it makes Wisconsin a non-player in the decision about whether we have a mine. Okay. That 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 law which lets them put the waste in the water and so mm -hmm. on is going to be so violates the Federal Clean Water Act, so opposite of how the Army Corps of Engineers will operate. And we should say, to, uh, I should say at the front end that no mine can um, be started in Wisconsin unless the state government and the Federal Army Corps of Engineers both say yes to the same document. And our document, which is our law today, is so far out of whack that, that Wisconsin is going to be a non-player and the federal government and the tribes and the courts are going to decide whether there's mining here. And our Department of Natural Resources, the Wisconsin legislature, the people of Wisconsin, have been, will, will be on the sidelines because of the law we passed. And, and historically, what we're talking about is not just a, a law that's written for one mine. It's a yeah. uh, law written for a category of mines. mines. Okay. By being able to work together, state and federal government, there could be more certainty. That's something the industry said they wanted. It was necessary if there were going to be jobs. So I would say that the law that was passed has already had a, as, as Tim was uh, suggesting, a decisive negative mm -hmm. uh, impact, impact yeah. on, on the creation of jobs. And it certainly has stirred up a, an awful lot of angry feelings about uh, you know what could happen to our environment by a state that has historically lived by uh, a credo that uh, you know we want to pass along a, a, right. a cleaner and, and more pristine right. state right. than we inherited. Yes. Yeah. One of the things, you know, I was observing that, you know, that process, and especially when you all did your thing <coughs> and, and you went up there and talked to people and you had experts in, and, 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 and uh, I, I watched that and I've talk, I talked to you about, uh, Senator Collin about that a little bit, and I thought, well, this is the way they, we always used to do stuff. <laughs> that's the way. That's the way we used to do everything, mm -hmm. and now, it, you know, the idea of going and talking to people that are act actually affected is is uh, passe or something. Not but favored not, anymore. Not favored. Mm. I even well, did one little thing in that committee that I don't think anybody really noticed, but anybody who's attended a legislative hearing, uh, the Democrats always sit on one side of the of the table and. Republicans on the other. And so I decided, just for this time I'm chairman of this committee, we will sit alternately. So I actually, through all, the, all those hearings, it was a Democrat, Republican, Democrat, Republican. So we, I, I forced the people of both parties to sit next to each other, which means they had to chat a little bit with each other. And, um, <laughs> I, I it didn't change the world, but I kind of enjoyed well, it. I, I think you're being unduly modest. I mean, what happened was uh, people couldn't comfortably and easily hide in the herd. <laughs> and so what they did is they, they began to realize that that other person on the other side of the aisle was human. They began to talk and, and listen to each other. And we came to a remarkable uh, uh, conclusion, uh, a bill that I think was outstanding. Many people said was outstanding. And I think uh, uh, to some degree, no small amount of degree I would add, uh, was the result of having the vision and the wisdom to um, mix people up. And that was part of a, of a agenda that he and I put forward uh, over a year ago, 
Yeah. Small things that we could do that would make a big impact in, in Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. Well, and you had mentioned earlier the whole idea of relationships are so crucial to that whole idea of compromise previously. So. And they, they don't exist. We, we, we meet, the Senate adjourns, and everybody just takes off in different yeah. directions. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, I think you're right. We've said before about people outside of the Capitol building maybe think compromise is a good thing. Uh, with all your experience and the fact that you're now not going to return to the state senate, what advice would you give to the average voter out there in terms of trying to get us back to something different? Get engaged in the election process. As a citizen, you have a, you have a right. I would say we all have an obligation. Uh, ask the candidates their views on these important questions. And then uh, hold them accountable uh, through your vote. If you don't vote, then you can't really uh, suggest that uh, uh, you had a right to complain. That's sort of my view. Mm -hmm. And uh, as Woody Allen once said, the world's run by those who show up. <laughs> so th that's show up. Show up. Uh, one of the things about reapportionment, I mean, there's, there's spin-off bad effects of, of, of this gerrymandered reapportionment um, that don't often get talked about. One of them is, is that this reapportionment where you jam all the Democrats you can into a minority number of districts and then um, try to create a majority of districts that Republicans will win by having these overwhelmingly Democratic districts. Um, and this happens to be because the Republicans are in charge in Wisconsin. In Illinois, the Democrats are in charge of exactly the same things. Neither party is wholly on this. Neither party should, should be in charge of it. But one of the consequences of having these safe districts, very safe Democratic mm -hmm. districts, safe Republican districts, is fewer incumbents need to go out and knock on your door to get your vote. They've got it won as long as they don't get beat in the primary. The, the real election's in August. They survive a primary, don't have one. It's Katie bar the door. They're on, they're on their way to the Capitol for another term. So um, we talk, as Dale talks correctly about, when they come to your door, ask them some tough questions, with this map, you're going to have fewer of them at your door. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, you know, um, uh, about the time we started our careers, uh, Wisconsin had, I think, 10 uh, congressional districts. Nine of them were competitive. We now have eight, and no district is competitive. Wow. So who do those people really serve? Um, uh, and, and, and who are they accountable to? Mm. I think that, uh, you know, reapportionment, should be about the law, not just making things competitive. But when we are able to use the tools that we have now, we can absolutely make them uh, uncompetitive. And that's not in uh, the law, making, uh, being able to do that. And uh, the two of us tried to recognize reality. No political party gives this up. Uh, we proposed a modest change after Iowa's uh, law uh, to make a switch in the next decennial census, and we really thought we had a great chance of getting that done. I still believe we have uh, a great chance in seeing that enacted in the law in the next uh, legislative session, and the two of us are gonna be out there working to get that done. Well, we hope that you will enjoy your leave from the Wisconsin Senate. You've done a great job for us and for the people of Wisconsin. Thank you so Thank much you for being on much. the program. We Thank have enjoyed you. talking yeah. with you, so. Join us again on Senior Beat.